Hey movie fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Uncharted Media Podcast. This is episode 166. We are basically just counting down the hours until the release of Matt Reeves' The Batman. And oh my god, early reviews get me even more hyped. I'm mm. like, I'm just so ready for this movie. Feels like we've been waiting forever and it's almost here. And I'm hearing phenomenal things about it. So we're going we're gonna to talk about Batman this week. We've talked about Batman in the past, but it's been a while. So Batman is one of the greatest comic book characters, greatest uh, film characters of all time. But in the words of Rocky Balboa, it ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's a very mean and nasty place. And the, Ro- and the Batman franchise will beat you down to your knees if you let it. Because mm-hmm. Batman's got some great moments. And he's got some moments that... Um, <laughs> we still haven't forgiven them for um yeah. so we're gonna we're gonna do that we're gonna talk about the fe- five best batman movies and the five worst batman movies so anything is fair game uh theatrical direct to dvd um we wanted to get a nice little mix of everything um but boy was this an interesting list to cobble together josh how you doing today I'm uh, chilling like a villain, keeping in the tradition of always recording somewhere different every episode. Uh, I am in my my office slash room this morning, so dude, we are chilling. I've got my coffee. I've got my good friend here. We're talking about Batman. Um, I don't know day. about you, but uh, I when it at least when it came to best. I found myself putting a lot more of those directed DVD Batmans. I try to have a good balance. Yeah, I try to have yeah, a good balance on both. There's a, there's a few. I'm like looking at my list now. That I have a remarkably less amount of live action on the best and more on the worst, which I did try. I I promise you, I tried to not all do <laughs> Dark Knight Rises. They are not, it's just not, it's not five things from Dark Knight Rises, I promise. I don't have any Dark Knight Rises on my worst list, just because I think you're forgetting some really big moments. Before we recorded, am. Josh um, was having some struggles with the worst list, and I'm like, oh, once you get to my list, you're going to be like, Oh, yeah, I suppressed that memory because (laughs) we didn't want to talk about that. And no, the bat shark repellent is not on either my best or my worst list today because it's just indicative of its time. Um, But Josh, have you been watching anything lately? Dude, I don't know why, but I was busy this past week when it came to watching movies. Um, I watched... (laughs) Same, actually. Uh, the Vow with starring Channing Tatum. Um, it's my favorite chick flick. Uh, I don't know why. I also have never seen uh, Harry Met Sally, so apparently I thought this week was that the time to watch that. Um, <laughs> which is good. I actually really liked it. Uh, or just going, where did the chick flick kick come from? Ooh, the I have chick no kick. idea. Chick kick? No, that's different. That needs um, to be a wrestling finishing move. <laughs> I'm sure it is. It's just when you kick a girl in the mouth or something. Um, and or then Mickey watched... James is like spinning kick. <laughs> I mean, that's basically it. Yeah. The McChick <laughs> kick. McChick kick. Yeah. Uh, I watched the Kid Cudi documentary on HBO Max um, called like, A Man Named Scott. I watched uh, Moonrise Kingdom, which is my favorite Wes Anderson film. And I watched French Dispatch this week. <sighs> 
Did we both watch French? Did we both watch? Yes, French we Dish both Dispatch? did. How did we not talk about this all week? Because I was okay. saying for this that I just watched French Dispatch yesterday. Oh, okay. I was like, so, okay, cool. He talked about Moonrise Kingdom. That's going to be a perfect segue for me to yes. talk about watching French Dispatch. But then you said you watch French Dispatch okay, too. Okay, okay. So, 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 this is great. This is a very rare, rare moment on the pod where both of us watched a movie and neither of us. And it wasn't talked, a new movie. It wasn't a new. Well, I mean, it's it's within the last last year, but it's not like a year. theatrical. Like it came out like in yeah, theaters yeah, yeah, currently yeah. type of thing. Yeah, but it's very rare for us that we watch a movie that is recent that we're both aware of, and then we just didn't talk about it at all. Um, I don't know about you. A few things. A, I was surprised about the amount of the amount of nudity. Um, that's not it's normally primarily a thing. just the opening, the first video. Yeah, it is, and it's primarily it, one person. I mean, and I'm not necessarily complaining. It's just, it, I think. It was odd in a Wes Anderson movie. Yes. That's what I think threw me. And I but, think part of that is just because it's like, quote, unquote, the French. Which is in the same odd. way, though, how it's presented in the movie is so Wes Anderson. Yes. Oh like, my I'm gosh. like, I'm going, okay, if that's going to be in this, it's this is how Wes Anderson's going to do it. That being said, honestly, that one, I think, is my favorite of the three stories. Just because yes, it feels I the agree. most Wes Anderson, like chaotic energy basically <laughs> prisoner basically is like all right cool I'll, I'll i'll do this painting for you but it's gonna be into the walls of the prison gym at gymnasium so it's gonna be legitimately illegal for you to take it out of its spot like okay cool chill um by far i think this is one of his how do i say this uh most varying movies like he pops from I, I i would need to watch it again to see if there's certain reasons he switches between things but like from black and white to color from widescreen to full screen to yeah like, i tried to figure out like, why whoa. the color switches yeah it was just like because there were sometimes it'd be in mid dialogue like they would just randomly switch back and forth and I couldn't tell if there was a specific reason for that, or I would have to go back and rewatch it, which is not exactly the worst thing. Um, but yeah, no, so what did you, I, 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 I liked it. It's not going to be my like top five. Wes Anderson, I think, but it's, it's, it's fine. I, yeah, I liked it. Grand Budapest will still be my favorite. I think if the other, I think your enjoyment of this movie, it depends on how much you enjoy. It's like basically three stories Mm-hmm. that are included in the final issue of a magazine called The French Dispatch. So it's a story within a story, so typical Wes Anderson. I think your enjoyment of this movie will vary depending on how much you enjoy the short stories. I think if the other two were to the quality of the first story, I would mm-hmm. probably put it as my favorite because I really like that first story and just the chaotic energy. I had to almost stop the movie and collect myself because I was laughing so hard when it's just like, um, you're up for parole. Uh, you killed two men. It was an accident. <laughs> it was double homicide. You cut, you know, you cut a man's head off. Okay, the first one was an first accident. One was an accident. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, that's good. <laughs> and how it's I, I, delivered, just dude. That whole scene though is like, uh, when, um, whenever they're like, no, he's not getting parole. The guy's like, all right, shut up about that. Like, it's, gosh, the whole, the whole, and 
the thing, and I don't remember this being a thing in some of the other Wes Anderson movies, but when he has those wide crowd shots and everybody's standing still, and it would be so much easier to just take a picture and do a still and pan across it. But he has everybody in this shot. We're talking 30 plus people in this shot doing the mannequin challenge. Like, and it's mm -hmm. visible. You can see people move. And it's, like, oh, it's so funny. There's a couple times that I was there. It felt very much like the ending of Blazing Saddles when they're doing the mm. throw out your hands, stick out your tush. And then like all the, the Western people come crashing into the set. That happens a couple times in this yes. movie. And it got me every single time. So it wasn't my favorite Wes Anderson movie, but I really enjoy it. And I'll probably be tracking it when this one down on home video i think it's already mm -hmm. out but i saw it on hbo max and i really really liked it um that was probably the best of the things that i've watched because oh, yeah? i was very varied this week and only thing that unified them all is most all of them were bad except for the french dispatch uh, a friend wanted to know my thoughts on the newest texas chainsaw and he wanted to have a conversation mm -hmm. about that so i watched it thank god this movie is short um <laughs> when you hear netflix Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It's exactly what you think it is. Yeah. Uh, we're yeah. going to shoehorn in a whole bunch of woke politics of like, I don't, again, political messages and horror movies are nothing new. But when it literally is not subtle at all of basically <laughs> a whole bunch of young people trying to kick out a Texas town so they can basically gentrify it. And they're like, oh man, there's a Confederate flag there. I'm like, dude. You are in Texas. Why are you surprised by that? Like, have yeah. you have you never seen a Confederate flag before? Or just a whole bunch of, like... Uh, is, is this satire? It's so bad. But I, I will say, the gore is very good and very bad at the same time. There's some really impressive practical squibs and practical blood in this. And then there's some bad CG blood. So I don't fully know what what's happening here. Yeah. Um... The characters are all terrible, like awful. And I know people are just like, well, sometimes you just want to watch people die in a horror movie. I'm like, isn't it that's... better when you care, though? Um, the <laughs> final that's, kill that's is cool. A, that's not a movie. That's a that's a, like a security cam of a murder. Shit, like no, 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 like shut up. Like that's not that. That's not what that is. You don't get to just be like, no, I I just like to watch people die. That's that's fine. Like no, that's not okay, bro. Yeah, it wasn't. <laughs> it was bad. It was exactly what you think with Netflix Texas Chainsaw. Um. I also watched a documentary called Boris Karloff, The Man Behind the Monster, basically a documentary about the film history of the guy that played Frankenstein. Frankenstein's monster for Josh. Um, <laughs> it was informative, but not to the quality that I was expecting it to be on a platform like Shudder and about a man like Boris Karloff. Like, it had a lot of good information, got a lot of good pictures and video that I had never seen before, really really well researched it came down to the talking heads part of it that i kind of had issues talking heads part and the structure of it um there was a lot of times in this that it was very distractingly bad green screen like bad keying on people's hair um just kind of i don't want to say bad but it felt almost like one step above a um like a college finals documentary project Ooh. of like pretty simple mistakes of like your keying could be stronger um 
have a little bit more engaging backgrounds here. And also the structure was a bit odd. Of At times it felt like they were going in the linear direction of, okay, then he did this, then he did this. But then other times it kind of deviates away from that. And it was it was informative. I'm glad I watched it. But it, it could have been structured a lot better. And lastly, the one that's going to hurt Josh the most... I watched The King's Man on Hulu. Yeah, I was worried about that. Have you seen this? No. I love the first Kingsman. The second one's... Oh, eh. But... Wow. This movie's boring as heck. Like, oh my gosh. Like, yeah. I kept wondering, okay, when are we going to pick up? When are we going to pick up? And by the time it starts to pick up, we're in the finale. And also, I'm not going to give spoilers because I know Josh will watch it at some point because he's really connected to this franchise. Yeah, yeah. They do, I'll give him credit, they do a very ballsy move about 60-65% of the way through the movie. Then I'm going, oh, the trailers really hid this. It's probably not a good thing the trailers hid this because I don't know. Like, it's something so monumentally big in the story that, and it comes so late in the story that you wonder how we're going to pivot away from this and kind of recover from this. It's Mm -hmm. not to the same degree of Joel dying in Last of Us 2 completely, like, kind of just gutting the narrative um, and basically, like, you're sitting there shocked for a while. But it's like, oh, there's only 40 minutes left in this movie. And I don't know what direction we go now. Yeah. Um, also, like, the trailers market this in a way that it's really not. Um, so, like, minor spoilers, but it's really not a huge thing. The trailers make it seem like Reese Ivins is uh, Rasputin is, like, the main villain or whatever. Mm-hmm. The dude gets taken out in the first third of the movie. Okay. I, did, I mean, I'd had a feeling about that, but yeah. But, there's a like quote unquote twist ending of who the real villain is. I'm going, Oh, is it a twist? If we've completely neglected this character for 90% of this movie and they purposely <laughs> try to make us forget about this person. Like yeah. Ray Fiennes is fantastic. Jaiman Hansu never has a bad performance and he's always the best thing about it. He's great. Jim Arterton gets a little wasted because I love Jim Arterton. This movie is bad. Like I was, I had heard not great things about it, but I was going, wow, for a Kingsman movie, it's lacking the Kingsman flair and style to it. Because the King, the first yeah. Kingsman has a very specific feel, which is great. It's shot a specific way. The action is done a specific way. Not the case for the Kingsman. And it was kind of disappointing in a lot of, wig- in a lot of ways. I mean, I can't blame that. It's The second one is not as good as the first, but like it definitely... I mean, it has its moments. I mean, like uh, the West Virginia moment at uh, towards the end, oh, like so good. Like in some ways, hits are harder than emotionally than all of the first movie. But uh, like it, it's not as good. But I was definitely worried with us going back in time that this one was gonna not be as flashy. And to my knowledge, I I think I don't think I'd have to look into. But I don't think the same director came back. For no, it, it is. But, I think it is Matthew Vaughn, which feels weird because it, it does feel like someone else directed this. That's that's so weird. Um, 
Well, also, I wouldn't be surprised like, if they changed the the camera operators though, because that was a big thing on the first two. Is they had two uh, two that I know of very specific guys that are like responsible for that specific kind of flair. Yeah. Well, also the first two Kingsmen are definitely R-rated fares. This feels like minus one or two things probably could have fit into PG-13 camp of like if there's a middle ground between PG-13 and R, that's what this would be. Like it definitely doesn't mm. go as hard as an assassin with knife feet that'll basically cut anyone open or mm. uh yeah, just a lot of the Kingsmen what you know and love is kind of like Deadpool light esque with the Kingsman with more so flair to it. And it, yeah, this, it didn't feel like a Kingsman. And also like, it doesn't really connect to the larger Kingsman world. They're like, it witnessed the origin of the Kingsman organization. Is it though? Like, <laughs> really? Yeah. That's uh, that, I was a little worried about that just cause it's like, they want to say what is the origin but they kind of like give us the origin in the first movie they're like hey like this is this is what happened and that's all like i personally that's all i needed it was like, i don't need to see anything else from that um but it's a i mean and we all kind of like had a feeling that this one was not gonna be great but uh yeah, yeah i still want you to it see is. it just to see your thoughts on the very ballsy decision that they make You'll you'll know it when you see it going, because I actually like was just sitting there stunned, going, "Did you guys actually just do that? Like that? I don't think that was the smartest thing to do." Fair enough. Excuse me. Let's get into some news. (laughs) That note, let's get into some news, shall we? So Tom Rothman, the executive over at Sony, has never been shy about seemingly putting the cart before the horse, and I'm kind of on the fence of whether he did in this specific circumstance, and that is that he was basically touting the quote-unquote success of the newest Uncharted movie, saying it's Sony's newest hit franchise. Now, okay. (laughs) <laughs> okay <laughs> Nate like t- takes a collective breath because <laughs> I'm I'm conflicted about this because like I said I've talked about it on the podcast before talked about it in the review this movie's fine it's not as good as it could have been it's not as bad as other video game movies but I don't I don't think when he made the comments was necessarily the smartest idea but at the same time, he might have been right because he said this, I think, like Wednesday or Thursday uh, before Uncharted's second weekend had even come out. He's like, we had a great first weekend and anybody that's in the box office business will tell you never base it off of just the opening weekend. Look at Batman yeah. versus Superman. That had a fantastic opening weekend. It dropped 67 percent to the second weekend. But Tom Rothman might have known something that we didn't about the upcoming second weekend box office because Uncharted fell by only 45%. Anything other than 50%, (laughs) you celebrate, basically, because basically the expectation is your movie will lose half its audience each week and then keep dipping and dipping and dipping. Uncharted had about a $23 million second weekend. I still think it's a little early for him to say, 
Uncharted is Sony's next hit franchise, considering you've got one of them. Um, <laughs> but so far, at least box office-wise, it seems to be maybe the case there. It's about to run into probably the year's biggest buzzsaw coming to cut it right in half with the Batman, because mm-hmm. that's going to have very similar demographics. Uh, Josh, do you think it's out of line for Tom Rothman to call Uncharted the next film franchise for Sony, or do you think he's kind of on to something? Um, yeah, see, like, it's it's hard to call it the next big film franchise when it only has one movie. Um, I think he's pro- to me, he's speaking from seeing potential like there's a lot of uh there's a lot of milk you can get from that cash cow uh there's a lot of stories you can potentially tell with uh uncharted whereas like so like in an adventure series like um oh geez it just left my mind um um national treasure like national treasure you can only do because of the premise of that you've set up you can only really do um treasures that have to do with like like the, the the constitution and like very specific like niche treasures whereas with, with whereas with Uncharted you could have him go after the uh the treasure of the curse of Oak Island or something I don't know you know what I mean like which is which is that uh, there's rumors that they found it so anyway um not not that not that I watched that show religiously or anything like that but um to call it a hit franchise I st- even with the good numbers coming I feel like it's a little premature um but my hope my hope is that now that they do see that people will come out to see an uncharted movie that maybe when they make a second one they'll put way more effort into it (laughs) not to say hopefully get a different director and composer but mainly a new composer because and that's hard for me to say because i haven't seen it yet but just based on everything that you've told me it sounds like Hey, we acquired this this game property for mo- the movie rights for this game property. We Let's own it already. Yeah, you know, yeah, exactly. But like, so we'll just throw something together and hope for the best. Like, that's not what you want to do with one of the biggest gaming franchises of all of all time. But you know, well, I think their own. I think Tom Rothman is doing the anti Bob Chapek, and he's actually you know showing support for one of his own movies. That's and fair. actually yeah. like sticking up for it. Because this has a very much a divide of critics and audiences. Audiences are like loving this thing and critics are hating it. Even then, I, I want to have a conversation with critics. I'm going, okay, you look at this movie and you're crapping on it. Look at the other video game movies that have come out. This is nowhere near that level. Um, but I think also Tom Rothman has a vested interest in this of hoping that Uncharted does well. One, because Sony desperately needed, needs franchises right now besides Spider-Man. Um, yeah. They stumbled upon one with Jumanji, and I'm still waiting on Jumanji 3, please. Crossover Jumanji and Uncharted, please. Oh, my God. <gasps> and then you could have Tom Holland meet the actual video game Nathan Drake would be oh don't like this is like multiverse syndrome bro <laughs> but they could um, do that via jumanji could. link they um, really could or but, even have like nathan fillion play a character in in jumanji that's like nathan drake-esque just to kind of shut people up 
Um. Well, <laughs> well, because Josh doesn't care about it, Nathan Fillion, mm-hmm. not Nathan Fillion, um, Nolan North is I, in yeah. Uncharted. Um, I well, did we, hear that. And it's the only time you hear the Uncharted theme, except for one other time, and it makes me really, really sad. Um, <laughs> but I think he's he's putting the cart before the horse because he wants this to be a franchise. But also, I think he's saying this because he wants other video game properties to be franchises, too. So for those that haven't seen it yet, or will you, when you do eventually see Uncharted, there's a new intro, a new logo intro in front of it for PlayStation Productions. Because as we've heard, as we've seen, this is the first PlayStation movie under that banner, PlayStation Productions. The next uh, project will be the Last of Us series. It's a really cool opening. It basically shows like famous PlayStation characters. And it kind of makes me wonder if the characters that show up in that are ones that they have their eye on for future projects. And so they're kind of hoping, okay, Uncharted is the one that translates the best cinematically. So we'll put that one first and then we'll kind of test the waters for a God of War, uh, a Horizon Forbidden West, a uh, Astros Play World as an animated movie for kids, Mm -hmm. maybe. Um, Because there's a lot of interesting routes you could go with that. Um, I just think it's funny that he was just like, Uncharted is our hit franchise. After only the first weekend, I'd be like, Come, <laughs> slow your roll there. Batman's about, chill, to buddy, de- <laughs> Batman's about to devour you. But I think it's a positive sign seeing that second weekend of yeah. it wasn't the big dip because there's so many naysayers to this movie. And I'm not saying I'm defending it. Um, but if you really look at what Uncharted's doing right now, it is defying a lot of expectations right now. Much stronger opening weekend. People were projecting somewhere in the 30s. It ended up with a $51 million opening weekend, $23 million second weekend. It's already made like $220 million globally. So it's more or less kind of already made its money back. So in that sense, like it's profitable for them. So I think you just need to be a little more in the black. Then you can consider it a hit franchise. You know, after you announce a sequel, announce a new director. Announce a new composer. composer. Never hire that composer for another Uncharted movie ever again. <laughs> Get new music yeah. and hire a new composer. Uh, so do you do you want them to hire a new composer? Just bring back Henry Gosh Dang Jackman. <laughs> He's already done the music for Jumanji. And Jumanji sounds more like Uncharted than the actual Uncharted movie. I don't get it. Oh, man. Uh, which is so cool that – and eventually we'll have this discussion. But it's so cool that we um, – can watch a video game movie these days and go, yeah, that wasn't bad. Could be better, but it wasn't bad. Yeah, like Sonic. N- never thought Sonic would be leading that charge, but here we are. <laughs> gotta go fast. So, now for the time of indifference, because... Hmm. So, the Fantastic Beasts... The Secrets of Dumbledore has released its, I think it's final trailer, because the movie comes out in April. I, I think mm-hmm. this is its final trailer. Boy, I still struggle to care about this thing. However, I kind of care about this trailer, because I feel like I would need to throw up some red flags for this trailer. Not for anything in the contents of the trailer, but for the way it was delivered, because I think it was like Wednesday or Thursday, Jude Law and all the Warner Brothers Fantastic Beasts social medias took to social media and was like, this Thursday, uh, expect a new Fantastic Beasts, the Secrets of Dumbledore trailer. Thursday came and nothing happened. No trailer, not a peep. Friday, mm. Saturday, 
nothing. Then it just dropped on Monday. Sure, it's a it's a decent trailer, but I'm more going. So what happened there? Was there a spoiler in the trailer that you're going that shouldn't be there or it's just bizarre because we've seen movies get delayed. We I don't think I've ever seen a trailer get delayed. Like maybe don't publicly announce that you're going to announce a trailer or release a trailer. That being said, this trailer is still further highlights my issues of I genuinely don't know where this franchise is going. And you can be like, well, it's going to be Dumbledore versus Grindelwald. Is it, though? Because where does Ezra Miller's character fit in? Where does Newt Scamander fit in? You know, the guy who started this franchise, the reason it's called Fantastic Beasts, it... I don't, at least with Harry Potter, you knew the end of it has to be Harry versus Dumbledore. And the story, you know, revolves around Harry and his friends the entire time. This, I don't know if it revolves around Dumbledore. I don't know if it revolves around Newt. Also, why have we lost half of our cast and replaced them with new people? Like, I saw Crimes of Grindelwald. I don't know half the people in this trailer. I'm going, mm-hmm. uh, who's that person talking to Kowalski? Uh, she, yeah, well, she's and, new, and, right? Did she just, like, replace the other girl? Like, what what's going on here? Yeah, because and it's it's easy to sit there and be like, where's half our cast? But And be like, well, oh, uh, Johnny Depp's not there for because of reasons. And that, that, those are, that's know, fair. Whatever, fine, fine, whatever. Uh, not, I wouldn't say fair, but yeah. Uh, anyway, the with that being said, there's a lot of faces that we have no idea who they are uh any storylines coming out of um crimes of grindelwald don't really get hinted at a lot, like at all um this is and this has been a complaint of mine and this has been jokingly said by the fandom uh since the beginning of the since these films started coming out um and this has been something that has I, I was aware of, but then has, since I've dived more into the books, has become more of an issue for me, is why is everybody dressing normally? And, like, why did, I mean, just that running ga- that running meme, it was like, when did uh, Albus Dumbledore be like, all right, time to give up all these nice suits and wear these long flowing robes. If Elton John was a wizard. Like, yeah, but, like, at the same time, the book even goes further into further depth of it, of, like, I can't believe I'm taking it. I'm that person now. Um, <laughs> I didn't want to be this person. Something, but... something, something. Dark side. <laughs> but like the book goes to the point of like wizards don't know how to dress as muggles at all. So like how what? So what? Do we have a mass like brain wipe, a mass obliviation event where just all wizards become stupid? Like I mean, I, I feel understand. like we've done that for two movies in a row now. Yeah, like the, I don't that get... they end with a giant rainstorm of obliviate, which in like, which looks like in this trailer we're just gonna get a bunch of really big stuff. And huh, okay, the indifference that you feel from this trailer i i i also get the the thing that bothers me the most is this is the most attractive like beautiful very interesting looking boring movie that could possibly exist in the harry potter franchise i don't understand how you can make magic look 
so boring. And I and maybe that's because, like you said, because I can't believe I'm going on a Harry Potter rant. Who am I? What is happening? Um, like it's so interesting to me that you're taking this concept of and this story. To me, I liked Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. I like the character of Newt Scamander. I don't like where we are going with it. I think if you maybe if you went like dived into uh, the whole thing about like uh, the Ministry of Magic and like how they're kind of terrible to anything that isn't a pure blood wizard, and actually dived into that and actually dealt with that in a very meaningful way. Looking at you, J.K. Rowling, how you just kind of roll over house elves in the books, um, but like actually dealt with that instead of being like, okay, cool, this is a Harry Harry Potter book. Obviously, we have to have a big dark lord. There's only that's the only way this story works, right? Yeah, that's the only way this story works. Have, gotta have a dark world, dark lord. Gotta have somebody who's trying to kill muggles again. Um, and I just, I, I, at the very least, maybe if you're gonna bring in Dumbledore, I know he's a big character, but like. Uh, it just is so weird that you start the se- like you said you start the series with Newt, and now we're two movies in, and Dumbledore's the main character. But like, that's, that's also so the problem weird. is with the last one you've introduced. Spoiler alert: If you haven't seen Crown of Grindelwald, which came out in 2019, now you've introduced Dumbledore's secret brother, and from the tr- way that the trailer plays out, I genuinely don't know. If Grindelwald is the final fight, or if his own brother is, to which I'm just going, that feels cheap. Of mm-hmm. like, I'm sure Grindelwald will end up being the final villain, but it's like, this is gonna be a weird analogy, but Josh will know exactly what I mean by it. It's like when you've got your WrestleMania main event, everyone knows <laughs> what it's gonna be. For some reason, you make the road as complicated as humanly possible to get to that destination. Instead of telling the clear storytelling that you need, you just throw in every monkey wrench you possibly can just to make it convoluted. I think that's the exact same thing here. The final fight will be Dumbledore versus Grindelwald, but they're adding so many other elements to it that don't need to be there to overcomplicate it. Like, God, just... Maybe it's because I don't really care for the character of Newt, but what these movies should have been from the get-go is a young Dumbledore. Just make Dumbledore the the main character from the get-go of make it kind of like an Anakin and Obi-Wan situation of two men closer than brothers falling out and then eventually needing to fight each other because of their different ideologies. That streamlines your story so much more. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, maybe it's just me. I didn't mind Johnny Depp's Grindelwald. Um, yeah. I don't necessarily agree with his removal, but at the same time, like, it's it's a tough situation all around. Um, but Amber Heard still gets to be an Aquaman. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but know, different I, I, studios care. Just looking because, at how the trailer portrays it, I feel like Mads Mikkelsen's Grindelwald is different than Johnny Depp's Grindelwald. And also, mm-hmm. I don't get the sense... Of the history, the quote-unquote history. We know what history I'm referring to when it comes to... (laughs) I don't see that history between Dumbledore and Mads Mikkelsen's Grindelwald. I could kind of get it with Johnny Depp. Also, I'm saying it now. They're not going to include that history. I don't think they will. They They barely acknowledged it in the last one. 
it's always kind of been a point of contention with fans. Um, I never really liked that reveal for Dumbledore because to me, it completely changes his dynamic with Harry and it, I don't enjoy the ramifications of that. Um, but also, like, I, just, I, I wish I could care about this movie, but I really can't. Mads Mikkelsen is a phenomenal actor, but he just kind of seems like generic bad guy number three, which is never what you want because Matt Mickelson is a great actor. Put him in a place that he can succeed. Also, if we're just throwing out random ideas here. Yeah, yeah. The poster. <laughs> I, I initially had to stop, but then I look close at the poster. I'm just like, yeah, I can't. I can't fully get behind it. But if you look at it, it almost looks like good guys on the left and bad guys on the right. Well, mm. except for, you know. Kowalski and Newt's brothers on the right. Mm-hmm. But what if Newt needs to fight somebody and his brother turns heel? We've already got we've already got Queenie that turned turn bad in the last movie for no real reason whatsoever. Of yeah. oh, I <clears> want to <throat> be married to a Muggle. Let me literally align with a wizard <laughs> Nazi. That makes sense. Let me align myself with the with one guy who doesn't the one like guy muggles. Who won't let me marry muggles. Like it does, it's so dumb. I, God, like he, I, 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 <laughs> I just remember the conversation between you and I when I finally watched Crimes of Grindelwald, and I was like, Yeah, no, this is just as, as bad, if not worse, as what you you had told me. Um, wow, this is really bad. Yeah, because the first um, Fantastic Beast, I don't love it, but it's a solid like seven out of ten. It's average. So, question for you. Uh oh. Um, why? Maybe because he's in America. I don't know. But um, don't you have to have? How do I say this? Uh, presented magical abilities in order for a wand to work with you. Um, yeah, because, doesn't the wand choose the wizard? You can't just like give someone a wizard. Give um, somebody one. Like a wand chooses the wizard. It's the whole point of Harry basically destroying Ollivander's shop. Yeah, no, like, no, <sighs> definitely not. I. Oh my gosh! Like, and if you're gonna say sit here and be like magic works different in America than the than the UK, how do you qualify that? That doesn't make sense. Like I've been diving into like a lot of like fantasy and sci-fi writing and how how it's important to have rules with your magic because it, as as fun as magic is and as fun as it, as it is to have no rules with magic, narratively there's no there's no like grit in there at all so like if you're if you literally just lose because you're like no no see uh the the wand doesn't belong to him because he wasn't disarmed by like come on man just like even within harry potter it's either the wand chooses you yes or you beat somebody for it that makes sense it's like street racing basically Mm -hmm. so like <laughs> give me your pink slip wand shocker this movie again <laughs> doesn't follow the canon that jk rowling herself established what she just needs to do is and she never will because of her own ego she just needs to tell warner brothers okay here's the bullet points this is the overarching story i would like to do and then i don't know like you did with the original movies, have a professional screenwriter write the scripts instead. She didn't write the scripts for the original eight Harry Potter movies. Books are written differently than scripts. 
just it's, hand it off yeah. to somebody else. Like, it's just, she can't write a movie. There's so many it other is, things that you're like, oh, look at these characters. Look at these characters. I'm like, you still haven't given me reason to care about the old characters. Mm-hmm. It, it's, and I think the problem becomes more, it's so complicated because like one of the biggest complaints that people have had with the movies was there's a lot of stuff you miss in the books that aren't in the movies. And um, I'm in Goblet of Fire right now. And I can tell you, um, not really. I mean, there's some, some interesting like little tidbits that kind of flesh the world out a little bit more, but like, eh. uh, but at the same time, it becomes annoyingly obvious that why jk rowling had issues selling this series book wise at first because it's just as chaotic and not as well structured <laughs> and you see that in the fantastic beast series in that all right we'll just do this movie by movie and change as we go along like no like you can't do that with film you you just you literally can't do that it, it's it's so frustrating and i think i said this to you it's so frustrating to me that wizarding and magic has to stay in this small section of time and we can't ever bring it to the current day. And it's just whatever. I'm, I'm annoyed with it and I am indifferent to this trailer and I will probably still see the movie, but. Oh no, um, I will not. I know for a fact I'm not. I'm going to wait until it comes out on the streaming service. Same. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to go to a, a theater for this. I don't need to. Now, I will go to see this in theaters, you know, now that it's actually officially happening. Indiana Jones 5, the, basically like the four-leaf clover of movies of like, does it exist? Will we ever actually get it? <laughs> yeah. Indiana Jones 5 wraps filming finally 14 years after the last Indiana Jones movie came out. Like, good grief. Um, I'm... I'm excited cautiously about this movie. I don't hate King of the Crystal Skull nearly as much as some other people because as a movie, it's really not that bad. As an Indiana Jones movie is where you run into issues. And honestly, yeah. I think if you just chop off the final third of Indiana Jones of they're aliens and their real treasure was knowledge. I'm like... Okay, just get out of here, you sappy old man. Shut up. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like, if you get chop that off, it's really not that bad. I will always be excited for an adventure movie, especially when it's Indiana Jones. I love half of the movies. Um, the first and the third one, <laughs> Temple of Doom, exists. Thank you for creating yes, PG-13. Um, I'm excited because this is going to sound so mean but i'm going to say it anyway i'm excited because it's not steven spielberg anymore yes yep. i know steven spielberg did west side story and i'm going to see it probably this week i've heard phenomenal things about it but at the same time he did do king of the crystal skull maybe he's too close to this one and also you know king of the crystal skull he had a certain bearded friend named lucas in his ear that kind of pitched him the story with the aliens so sometimes you need to just aliens. ignore your friends um but we're getting james mangold this time around newer fresher blood and honestly james mangold doesn't produce crap really like 
Logan is still one of the best comic book movies of all time. Ford v. Ferrari was fantastic. Walk the Line is fantastic. I'm really excited to see what he brings to the table with Indiana Jones. Uh, you got John Williams coming back. How could, well, I was about to say, how can he not be excited? But I understand there's some hesitation with Harrison Ford being so old in this, that he's older yeah. in this than Sean Connery ever was in um, Last Crusade, and he was supposed to be Indy's dad. Now, there have been some rumors of heavy flashback scenes. If they either use flashback scenes or the de-aging stuff that they used in Mando and um, MCU, would you be more on board with that, Josh? Or do you think that would kind of take you out a little bit too much? Um at the end of the day i think it comes down to execution because we can sit here and say that like the de-aging stuff in mando is you know like i mean okay it's so hard I don't know because if, i don't know if mando's de-aging or if it's a full composite yeah so the the issue with being like oh it's it's uh it's it's really well done but the issue is it is well done like that's they're pushing the technology pretty far it the, the de-aging technology can only go so far be until you get into that realm of uncanny valley and so it's i understand how tricky that is um with that being said uh and knowing how old uh harrison ford is harrison fard harrison fard um he i want to say he can't do the the stunts but then you have people like william defoe who's like doing like full batista bombs like at like 60 something years old so i but harrison ford I, is like 75 and also his kryptonite is landing planes so like <laughs> he he harrison ford is is a tough guy but also i would kind of mark him as injury prone he's crashed That's what fair. two planes he's had a millennium falcon door break his foot um i i don't know how much don't work he can do yeah like we've got a good cast for this and i wouldn't be surprised if this is like the passing of the torch movie that they kind of hoped kingdom of the crystal skull would have been and shia LaBeouf really is not that bad in kingdom of the no. crystal skull he could have carried the franchise had he had some better writing um and also was in a better mental state at the time because mm -hmm. i think kingdom of the crystal skull is when he got that dui and was in rehab for a little bit well, yeah, we can get into all of that, like where, like Shia, Shia, Shia has like commented on how, like Crystal Skull was like one of the Crystal the worst. Skull and, and uh, transform the later Transformers movies started. He started realizing that he just like does not like doing huge budget uh, franchise movies, and that's totally like that's I'm good on him for realizing that. You and I, we the the podcast knows that we are you and I are huge Shia LaBeouf stands. Um, that is my he's our actual life. cannibal for life like i love that man um with that being said i i agree i i can totally see this being the actual passing of the torch i don't know who probably um, phoebe waller bridge's character probably i mean we need another female tomb raider since the actual the sequel's stuck good. in limbo somewhere yeah um well i can't say it's not good that's bad that's mean it is it's dull it's it's just yeah it's dull. I don't know how to describe that. Yeah, it's um, dull. <laughs> uh, I'm interested to see where we go this time around. Um, I'm kind of hoping for some fresh stuff. Uh, I will say, I don't have a like 
emotional or nostalgic connection really to Indy. So I actually kind of enjoyed Crystal Skull. Um, there, there wasn't there was a lot of elements in that adventure that I had not seen or had even the concept of, like thrown at me really. I'd seen I think I saw Ark at uh yeah Raiders of the Last Ark and that was like my only experience with um indie until crystal skull so like having seeing people dragged uh, away by giant ants was like super cool to me um and like just like the, the, you can't tell me there's not classic lines in crystal came to the crystal skull like uh you brought a knife to a gunfight like peak so good that's not um, from King of the Crystal Skull yes, though. It is. like they say it but that's not where that line comes from I don't care look <laughs> as someone who's not well versed in indie that's where it comes from you're not you don't really know your indie movies <laughs> no i don't i don't know my indie movies at all we all know this this is a fact this is a fact like what like why are we surprised at this josh likes indie movies but not indie movies exactly <laughs> which speaking of indie movies with this picture that was shared by frank marshall the producer and he's been the producer basically for all of them um got some people talking is indie the name of this movie Twitch, I go, y'all reading way too much into this. Because uh, a pretty big trope with Indiana Jones is always having those uh, pulp fic, not pulp fiction, but yeah, kind of pulpy uh, adventure titles as well. You've got Raiders of the Lost Ark, Temple of Doom, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. This has to have some big elaborate name with it. That's just kind of par for the course. And going indie just sounds too hipster. Like, people, yeah. yes, people would know it, but I don't like this current trend that we've got of either one word titles or just reusing the title. Like, as much as I like Halloween 2018, the fact that I have to say Halloween 2018 or Scream 2022 or whatever yeah. else of like, stop Logan, as much as I like Logan, stop just shortening it to simplify. Of like, have cool names, have cool titles. It's, it's not a sin. <laughs> I mean, it'd be it'd be kind of cool to just call it Jones. Now nah, you know what? No, nope, I said it. It's just short like round. Doctor Jones. Yeah. Doctor Jones. Doctor Jones. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm down. Like, I, I I think uh, at the end of the day, I'm just excited to have another adventure movie to go to. It's still a thing that I don't think we get a lot of these days. Um, it's in a world oversaturated by movies that take themselves too seriously and Marvel films, I think it'll be a fun like break from that to have an adventure film that's genuinely an, an adventure movie. So lastly, we should take this news story with a grain of salt as it's not like being confirmed by any of the major trades yet. I think uh, one of them picked it up, um, but is that we're getting a long overdue by some uh beetlejuice sequel with brad pitt's production company producing it to which my immediate thought was i don't think i realized brad pitt had a production company but hey if you've been acting more than five years you have a production company nowadays um so josh and i actually have at least somewhat of a history with Beetlejuice a yeah. very very minimal history and that is uh, when Josh came down last year for Horror Nights we did the Beetlejuice house at Horror Nights and it was probably one of the top three worst houses last year um, it looked yeah. pretty but that was the general consensus by a lot of people um, was it was 
okay. Um, I saw the movie for the first time for homework for the house. Like, I didn't grow up watching Beetlejuice. I didn't grow mm-hmm. up watching a lot of Tim Burton stuff just because he's not really my favorite director. So I finally watched Beetlejuice and I'm going, what's the hype with this? I, I mm-hmm. just, I don't get it. I know a lot of people do. I think it's that same kind of generation era of people that love Ghostbusters. Of it's That's another one that I've just like, cool. If you love it, that's awesome. I just don't get it. I don't get the appeal. Um, yeah. This is one, though, that, like, it feels like it, the rumor pops up for this every couple months of Tim Burton's coming back to do Beetlejuice uh, 2 with Michael Keaton and Winona Ryder returning. And then the, every single time I know you've seen him, Josh, you get those two uber fake looking posters mm-hmm. that just say Beetlejuice 2. People are like, Beetlejuice 2 is happening. See, there's a poster. I'm going. You know how easy it is to create a poster, guys? Come on, Just because there's a (laughs) quote-unquote poster, I made a fan-made poster for a Nightwing movie in 2019. Yeah, y'all remember that 2019 Nightwing movie? Come on now. Just because you see something on Facebook doesn't mean it's true. Stares very hard down the camera for that point. (laughs) Oops. (laughs) Got a little little meta there, buddy. Um... (laughs) No, except uh, we're yeah, not going to lose a whole bunch of money saying meta. Oh, wow. Oh, oh, oh what? Uh, oh, yeah. Well, yeah, because I guess Facebook owns words now. Um, but I'm kind of, okay. I want to say this. There, I know a lot of people my age from our, like, our generation that love Tim Burton movies and love It's a Facto Beetlejuice. Wow, that was cool. Good use of It's a Facto. Wow. Wow. All right. Wow. All right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I may be in just a hoodie, push, but yeah, push I'm those glasses further here. up your nose, why don't you? Uh, yeah, I mean my little Harry Potter glasses that I've got on today, apparently. No, those um, have actual lenses to them. And they don't break. Anyway, um well, I'm they can't break anyway, not the point. <laughs> I I know there is a large fan base of people our age, um, good old millennials. Um, that love that do have like a certain love for this film, and I do think there's a lot a lot of nostalgic factor to it. And I, at the very least, like the movie's not for me; it's fine. Um, but I can totally see someone getting like this movie's a vibe, absolutely. One, um, one I can never pronounce her name right, and I feel really bad. Nona Ryder. Yes, I can say her last name. Um, I can say it's so facto correctly, but I can't pronounce somebody's name. Um, but I love I her 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 character is such a mood this entire movie. Like I, if anything, she's the only reason that I continued to watch this movie. It's a lot of fun. She's a great character. Uh, but that being said, I don't know what you do for a second one. What Beetlejuice tries to tempt somebody else? Like you know what I mean? Like what? what yes, what, a seventy-year-old Michael like, Keaton. <laughs> Gosh, it's just, it's just weird. Um, and it would be even weirder if Keaton didn't come back as Beetlejuice at, at the same time. Keaton so like, and, I, I, Keaton and Ryder weird. are expected to come back. Yeah, so I, I don't I don't know. Maybe maybe it's Beetlejuice training a new a new Beetlejuice. I don't know how that would work, like demon wise. I don't actually hate that idea. That's but... not a bad idea. <gasps> Somehow, Winona Ryder's character has died, and she is trained to be the new ghost so to speak 
Um, that would be so wild to see, uh, to see her, like just her as an actor, like act like a Beatles, like Beatles. Oh, that would be so wild. And oh, she just haunts something. the Stranger Things kids. <laughs> she makes lights blink on and off all the time. Um, I'm wondering how much huh. though of this movie finally, if it's actually happening, how much of this is due in no small part to the Keaton sons that we've experienced of yeah. uh, Spider-Man Homecoming being a huge deal. He's coming back as Batman. Like, Keaton is in the mainstream again and revisiting old roles with Batman. So maybe they're just like, well, Keaton, we got this big old dump truck back in your backyard full of unmarked dollar bills. You want to do a Beetlejuice sequel? And be like... <laughs> Yeah, sure. Why not? That sounds that sounds cool. <laughs> oh man, which is it's cra- it's it is crazy. He's like he's he's coming back as Batman. He played a Birdman twice. Um, get it? Because he was a Birdman, and then he was a Vulture. Uh, on a roll today, guys. On a roll. <laughs> so ipso but, facto, that was <laughs> so ipso facto. Put my glasses a little bit high, um, and then take a big sip of coffee from my Shrek mug. Um, <laughs> but I like I'm down. I, I'm always down to see more Keaton. Um, he's he's a great actor, and I you know why not? I like, mean, and Tim Burton I, knows about Shrek because I'm going to hurt my back on this one. Tim Burton did Batman Returns, and Christopher Walken plays Max Shrek, the mayor of the, whoever of Gotham. Boo! Boo this man! Right. <laughs> For that, Josh, you get to do the sponsor. Oh, wow. Okay, okay. Cool, cool, cool. So, <clears throat> do you need a hoodie? Do you need a t-shirt? Maybe even a coffee mug for your morning go juice and if you love the pod have i got the thing for you go to tpublic.com where the link is in the description um and check out our merch store we have five wonderful designs that you can place on literally anything you want if you want to support our logo on a mask or any of the other stuff go for it my dude stay safe out there if you need a warm hoodie even though it's uh totally uh warming up out there um do that my guy uh tpublic.com has all of your needs and our merch store has all of our merch needs for you that you should totally go check out just you know support the pod my guys appreciate you there you go (laughs) Good read, Josh. Good read. <laughs> thanks, Good thanks, read man, thanks, as we man. have no script whatsoever. <laughs> script? We don't do scripts. Uh, uh. So Batman has a long and storied history of a lot of good and a lot of bad. So, again, I didn't give Josh any I heads up. I hate you. I hate you so much. Oh, my God. <laughs> so I'm also going to put a disclaimer on this. We're going to see how long this thing lasts. <laughs> Because I can't breathe through my nose right now. <laughs> Breathing is overrated. Also, like, I had to finagle. I still have my headphones in. I had to finagle a little bit to just go, okay, can I get this through the mouth hole? Nope. Through the neck it goes. <laughs> so, all those people listening at home on the audio platforms are going, what is happening? Just picture me with the greatest Batman cowl covered in paint from being stuck in a closet for a couple of years. That's what's happening right now. Because um, that's how you have to do this when you're discussing Batman. 
Not that I've done it for any of our other Batman discussions, primarily because I forgot I had this. And I am already hot and sweaty. This is going to be a nightmare. Josh, do you want to start with the best or the worst? Let's get the worst out of the way, because I like I think these are the worst in my mind are some of the more obvious ones. There's a lot more to choose as far as best options. I don't know about you, but I legitimately I didn't necessarily quote unquote struggle, but to find worse, but it definitely it becomes obvious on which movies I don't like. <laughs> So is this just Dark Knight Rises moments? Yeah, it's just no, it's not. It, there's two, but that's not the point. Jeez. Um, <laughs> okay. I, I mean, the other ones are pretty pretty straightforward. But what's your number uh, five worst Dark Knight Rises moment? Uh, <laughs> that that uh, <laughs> um, the moment that I hate the least in Dark Knight Rises is the Talia reveal. Um, it's it undercuts literally everything Bane has been working for and done the entire film. And I'm like, ah, it was Talia the whole time. Like, I don't care. Shut up. Like, A, we can kind of tell that she's not who she says she is throughout the you entire movie. You can kind of tell you. Uh, <laughs> somebody boo this man. I should have put on the 60s Batman mask. <laughs> you should have. We're going to hit people so hard that, that, that uh, words are going to appear in the sky. <laughs> Bam, pow. Um, Sound it like just, Emerald it, up in it here. Undercuts so much of what the of what Bane does, and it, although he's not a traditional Bane, uh, you do kind of start to like get into what he's doing at the end of at the end of the film, and then to just for the sake of a twist, be like, Nah, I was telling you the whole time. It just it, it annoyed me a lot, um, and kind of made Bane's character go out like the like a loser honestly like it was like really like we built this this is the man that broke it batman's back and he's just gonna go out like that all right cool whatever. but also like in the movie broke batman's back in the most anticlimactic way possible yeah, like, like on, when i man. watched it i i because i had read the comics so i was like okay his back is clearly broken but like in the comic it's a big dude he gets like snapped in half oh my god he is broken in half in the movie it's just like let me gently place you on my knee before I tucker you down for a nap type of thing. Um, yeah. yeah, the Bane, Tom Hardy's trying his best, but it's not Bane. Like, it's it's one of those of, like, Christopher Nolan's uber-realism ends up hurting the movie more than helping it. Uh, my number five is a my only two-parter. It goes from Batman Forever. It's... Ooh. Part one of it is the opening of... Would you like a sandwich, sir? <laughs> I'll get the drive through Like, okay, oh, no. we get it. You missed out on your McDonald's toy sales because Batman Returns was too dark. But Batman in a drive through Like, really? And you know that got spun into commercials where he, like, oh, has yeah. to pick up his late-night meal. The other one... Fix my head. Um, <laughs> Josh and I love bad puns. But we don't like forced puns if they're too forced. And Batman Forever has one of the single most forced puns I have ever heard in my entire life. And it is when Robin and Batman are finally confronting Two-Face and Riddler. And they just were on the bat boats. They're climbing up the rocks. Holy rusted metal, Batman! Huh? Okay. And he literally... And Robin is literally standing on a grate with holes in it. And I'm going... 
You just had, like, I get that Robin has the holy jokes. But good God, how many cast members had to hurt themselves making that stretch for that? Good Lord, that's bad. Nate, that is one of my favorite lines in that entire, in like, the entire Batman franchise, and I quote it all the time. I no! I love that pun so much. <laughs> Kilmer's Batman clearly is already regretting hiring like Dick he's Grayson. Over it. He's so over it. And, like, if that's one of those quotes. I'm like, oh, God. I, I know I should hate this. But the dad, the dad in me is like, no, this See, is literally the greatest pun of all time. <laughs> the, fun, the sad thing is, like, I hate that pun. But as I get older, I appreciate more of the puns from Batman and Robin. None of the Batman yeah. and Robin puns are on this. Batman and Robin. I'll just segue it now. Batman and Robin yeah. is my number four. Yeah. Screw you, Bat Credit Card. Hey! I know Josh loves the Bat Credit Card. I that's hate my, it. I no, no, that, that's my number four. I hate that. I hate is the it? Bat but Let's I hate go. it because, one, it confused the crap out of me as a kid because it says Batman forever on the credit card. I'm going, wait, but I thought I was watching Batman and Robin. Two, it <laughs> implies Batman basically pimps out his dates with credit cards. And three, he almost dated a gorilla because they all sneak in with gorillas. And it's It has a credit card? How do you verify? Like, if someone steals his card, how can you verify purchases with that? Like... Okay, we see um $7,000 for new tires for the Batmobile. Yes. $4,000 on this website? Nope, nope. That was clearly my the sidekick. Can you can you verify? $4,000 it is. Okay. Um like how, how do you verify that credit card? Which there's so many questions that a bat credit card raises. I don't get it. I think it's it's funny too the at, you know, when I was a kid and I saw it, I was like, that's okay, that's kind of funny. Ha ha ha. But like the more I think about it as an adult, the more and more like terrible it gets. Like you'd have to have an address. You'd have to have a actual legal name like attached. You have to have a bank account attached. Like, hold on. I'm sorry. What bet? The easy part is like, well, dude, he just owns the bank. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, that still like, applies. Like, if he has to go into the bank, does he have to yes. go in full costume, wait in line behind <laughs> some guy named Kevin, some old lady named Margaret, just trying to collect her pennies? I'm just picturing Batman just rolls up in the Batmobile, having to wait behind four or five people in broad daylight because banks aren't open at night, and just God. Uh, Maybe he, I'm, like, sees some, like, petty theft that he, like, petty criminal that he beat up. They look at each other, give each other the half nod. They're like, yeah. He's, <laughs> like, in, a wheel- he's in a wheelchair because Batman crippled him for life for trying to get by an ounce of weed on the, on the corner. Um, <laughs> like, God, like, it just raises so many questions. He's in a wheelchair because he tried to steal the pen at the bank. <laughs> Exactly, like, like Batman's just out here. Like, we, we joke about it, but it is a significant issue with, with Batman's character at such a point. So that but, was our number four. Josh, what's your number say, three? Uh, quick little uh, little rabbit trail here. Um, how great would it be if we got a Lego Batman 2 and there's a literal scene... Dude, there's four Will- Lego Batmans. What? What? There's four Hold Lego on. Batman what? games. No, sorry, movie. Movie. Oh, movie. oh, I was movie. like, dude, they, they keep <laughs> oh, making yeah, like oh, a yeah, Batman games. What are you talking about? Speaking of which, I got uh, DC Villains Lego. is uh, Dude, it's free. so fun. That's the best yeah. one yet. 
and uh we i can i think we can play online so I'm sure yes 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 that. we anyway, haven't played um, together in a while yeah we have which is a weird sentence to say out loud as adults um so <laughs> weird it would be fun to see will arnett's batman kind of have that like bank inter- interaction with with like hey oh i'm gonna go get a credit card anyway um my number three is probably the longest scene quote-unquote scene um on this entire list the best and worst because it's literally the first 30 minutes of the killing joke um i think the whole batman batgirls love story thing a does not belong in the killing joke it does not add it kind of takes away some from the story and b is like some of the most like cringy hard to watch batman stuff like of all time just because like i would watch a poodle snag a batarang out of the air again multiple times before which is something that happens in in i think it's batman forever maybe i don't know um it, it, it before i watch this again it's so cringy the age difference is obvious um it, it makes it more awkward too like i just oh i hate it so much yeah well yeah. we can talk more about it later because i have it i definitely still have it on my list higher but yeah there's a, this is the prime example of if you thought about this for more than literally two seconds you should have axed this choice um another one that if you thought about this for more than two seconds you should have axed this choice is my number three also since this movie is fairly recent i think it was like 2019 or 2020 I'll put up a spoiler warning for the animated movie Batman Hush. Yeah. The ending of Batman Hush. So Batman Hush was touted as very similar to like Under the Red Hood or Year One or Dark Knight Returns of like a direct adaptation, except they tried to shoehorn it into the pre-existing DC animated universe continuity, whereas those other movies that I mentioned existed in their own pocket universes they were already standalone movies this tried to be shoehorned into the dceu while also trying to give a twist ending for comic book fans they're just like all right we know you're seeing this hush um movie because you read the comic and you love it well we're gonna surprise you because our ending is different than the comic in the cool. comic the riddler is basically the one behind it all that's that's okay not a big deal breaker whatever um and batman basically beats him by saying yeah um you know my identity cool you can't tell anybody because if it's if everyone knows it's not a secret and then that doesn't make you smart anymore if everyone knows a secret i'm like oh that's really cool um but basically riddler's behind it all riddler is again behind it all in hush except in this universe apparently riddler has been dead for years it was never once brought up never once mentioned that they're just like hush is the riddler and all of us is going wait wait you you said he was dead when did he die like when did we they basically have a moment that they're like riddler you're back from the dead we're all going what? When did he die? Like, I yeah. just kind of <laughs> assumed on. that he was alive. But also, Riddler was brought back to life via a Lazarus pit, and that's what made him go insane. And he has a question mark carved into his head, and he killed Thomas Elliot, the man that actually is Hush. I'm going, talking about 
the Fantastic Beast thing is overcomplicating the story. This is overcomplicating the story. Have you had a pretty good mystery? And then you just throw all the wrenches into this going, but, but why? Also, like, if you were going to have Riddler come back from the dead, maybe you should have acknowledged that he was dead at any point. Like, if you don't show a villain, I'm going to assume they're alive and out there somewhere, not assume that they're dead. He doesn't mm -hmm. act like Riddler. It's a twist that doesn't really have any merit or make any logical sense. Like, I'm trying to... Even if you hadn't read Hush as a comic book, I think you'd still be frustrated with this movie going, doesn't really make any sense. This isn't a twist that was properly set up. And you're even more mad if you read the source material going, why did you change it? It's, it's fixing something that's not broken. <laughs> there did not need to be changed, guys. Like, as long as you do things correctly like i think you and i have said this over and over like just fans knowing how a story ends does not equate as a bad ending like if you can still tell tell a, a an ending that the fan fans know they're getting and it still be fantastic and and all that um it's crazy that, that uh we're going into number twos talking about endings because <clears throat> the ending of dark knight rises is the pinnacle of why i hate that movie okay so let me let, let's break down all right yeah. it's war time so here's the thing <clears throat> i'm gonna break down dark knight rise for you based on the view of the ending okay <clears throat> oh man i'm too hurt to be batman i better become batman again works for good chance even though i've only been batman movie. for about for like six to eight six, months six, yep yep can't be Batman anymore. I don't like it. Uh, this whole life thing that I did uh, because of the death of my parents. Don't I've dedicated my whole life to it. Gonna give it up just because of a little boo boo. Um, gonna work half the movie to become Batman again. Okay, cool. I'm Batman again. Yay! All right, cool. Gonna be a Batman for a little bit. Oh no, I'm not. I can't be Batman because I broke my back. Oh man. Okay, I guess I better work up to be Batman again. Okay, cool. Gonna teleport to the other side of the world. Okay, cool. All right, I'm Batman. I saved the day and I faked my own death so I don't have to be Batman anymore. Like what? That's not, not only is that, first of all, a very poorly written character and the, whose motivations are weird and don't make sense for a Batman story that doesn't make sense. You, you're telling me that this character for two movies has been like, yo, this is my life's work. This is what I'm meant to do. And then in the course of one film was like, Haha, JK going to fake my death so I can go live on on the other side of the world. <laughs> like, that just, just, just doesn't. You don't have to wrap the series in a tight in a nice bow. He can still go do stuff and like just to hand it off to somebody named Robin. Uh, it just See, doesn't that, make sense. The it ending, I think everyone misinterprets. They're just like, oh, oh, Robin's gonna be. We're gonna get Robin in the in the Nolan verse. I'm like, did you miss the point of the entire trilogy? The move. The whole point of Batman Begins and Dark Knight Rises is literally anyone could be Batman. Robin is his birth name. That was Nolan yeah. going a just sly reference to the comic because he was afraid to put the actual Robin in the movie. Put Robin back in theatrical releases, you cowards! Battinson, we're looking for you for hope in the next one. Um, there's some things with Rises I can defend. Him retiring, I really can't. I'm with you on that one of, like, Batman doesn't retire. Like, that. it's his whole life's mission, especially when he really hasn't put that much time in. 
the autopilot thing, I can defend. Some people are just like, there was no way he could have gotten off the thing in time um, before it blows. I'm like, if you look at the editing, yeah, he it doesn't show that he's still in the thing with a couple seconds left. He had time to get out. Um, if I had to put something from Dark Knight Rises, I put Talia's death. Mm-hmm. Talia's death is pretty bad. It just, yep. she literally just... <clears throat> Like, has the dramatic body flop in everything. Either that or Bane's death. Literally just, hey, how do you feel about getting shotgunned in the face? Like, and getting shot across the room. That works. Um, I don't hate Rises as much as Josh does. In fact, I have some of it in my best list. As much as that's going to irk him, I love it. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it does have some issues, but... The whole retirement thing really does kind of bother me a lot. And it's like, to me, also, like, that's a tactical nuke. Like, there's no way that the radiation from that doesn't, A, affect all of the sea life. B, doesn't also... Aquaman and Dark Knight 4. (laughs) Still affects the city. Like, that's... Like, that didn't do anything. Like, uh, whatever. It's... Yeah, like I'll, I could sit here and rant about rises till the sun, till the cows. I could sit here and rant, rant about rises till the cows come home. Yippee yap. Um, but so, I, I'm curious to hear what your number two is. Is it the, the Talia Talia's death, right? Martha, Martha. <laughs> Why did you say that name, Martha? God, this scene. You can say however much you want, and I know those people will be like, it's really, really deep and profound that he realizes that he's the monster that he was so afraid of as a kid because they share the same name. I'm going, or it's just a really stupid decision. Like, it it doesn't work. It's not (laughs) as emotionally compelling as you claim it is, Snyder fans. It's not good storytelling. The Martha thing is just bad. It's just lazy of... It's like someone was writing the script and go, Hey, Zach, you ever notice that Superman and Batman have the same mother's name? Dude, write that which, down. We can use that. <laughs> which is, it's, to be fair, something I did, hadn't realized until this moment. But. Yeah, I didn't either. Heather leans over to me in the theater. And she's like, I don't think I realized they had the same mom's name. I'm going, they, I didn't either. That's crazy. But like, I, I'm, I'm, it's actually my number one. Um, this scene makes no sense. I Okay. I will give this caveat. If Snyder was a competent storyteller and had set this kind of moment up through dialogue, through through anything, in order to be like, hey, like he is, is lost within himself. He is slowly becoming this monster that he doesn't realize and he sees this person as an alien as an and as a destructive enemy and not as someone who can be rationalized with you know how batman would be but uh whatever um and that that that's the moment that brings him back to reality which is back to reality oh there goes kryptonite um, <laughs> but like, you know, cause Batman apparently didn't do any re- research on who Superman could be. Anyway. Um, it's not like you could eat his mom's spaghetti. Yeah. Um, anyway, I, the thing is, it just doesn't, like you said, it just doesn't work. It comes out of nowhere. It on the surface could be a fantastic storytelling point. But there is virtually no setup for it, virtually no emotional connections for it. And it just 
the way that it comes out is extremely cringe and the the way that like that's the decision that he automatically is like yeah no i can completely trust this person and i will go to war for this person and not only that when it's when he's dead i what i think he's dead i'm going to create an entire team in his name in order to battle battle evil that is coming for that i know is coming to the world for somehow i don't know it is not clear how i know this but i know this so yeah uh, if if it was set up throughout the movie that he was starting to have um internal conflicts about how he treats criminals or if his methods are going too far there's like one or two lines from alfred but it's not a he seemed it's not a main theme to it batman seems to revel in how much he's destroying people like he doesn't feel guilty for it. and also my still my biggest hang up with Al, with ben affleck's batman is he kills people and snyder would be like well yeah if he's doing it for this long your heroes will eventually kill people eventually i'm going but batman no, doesn't no if, no, but Batman stop. doesn't, and if Batman is killing these mindless thugs, like no-name people, then why is the Joker still alive? Why are all these other criminals still alive? Like, oh, sure, you leave the big criminals alive, you're just killing off all the henchmen. That makes sense. Like, if you really have no issues with killing or guns, then you're just the Punisher, and the Punisher and Batman are very different. My number one, Josh already said it, the moment that should never have existed to begin with, the opening third of the Killing Joke animated movie. This is the single biggest mistake in any Batman movie, live action or animated. Um, I'm tempted to put it as one of the worst mistakes in Batman, period, but I, I'm sure there's some stupid choice that's been in a comic somewhere in the past, but... This does not further the story at all. I get that they're trying to make it of like, oh, we want it to be more emotionally impactful when Barbara gets taken out. I'm going, it's already pretty emotionally impactful that she is basically assaulted and shot and paralyzed. Like, that's pretty traumatic in and of itself. We don't we don't need Batman hooking up with Batgirl when he's basically known her her entire life. Yeah. What's What's worse to me is... This hasn't been the first time they tried this. They tried it one other time with Batman the Animated Series. Because in Mystery the Batwoman, they hint that Batman and Batgirl were definitely a thing. And it's about the same age range there, too. I'm going, mm-hmm. Paul Dini, what the heck, man? What is? Why? Why is this a thing? It always comes back to that guy. Because I think he wrote Killing Joke, the, the movie, not the, not the original comic. Yeah. But I'm going... Why do you keep coming back to this? Because this is the same guy that technically in the Batman animated series continuity, Batman actually impregnates Batgirl while Nightwing is away in college and then tries to make Dick think that the kid is his. And then the baby ends up dying in the womb. I'm going, why? Why do we have to do such weird storylines with Batman and Batgirl? Like, it just changes the whole dynamic. It's gross. It should never have been made. If you think about it for more than a few seconds, it's a decision you should not do. The characters that get introduced in the first third that never show up again are just terrible. Like, her gay best friend, I'm going, why Why are you here? You're just a bad stereotype. And then the, the mobster that drugs her, I'm going why what is what is this because it feels so detached from the rest of the movie because the rest of it is the killing joke spot on like panel for panel but that's only 70 minutes we got to make it like 
a nice 80 to 90 minutes. We got to have something. No, I would have rather just had a 70 minute movie, maybe some extra bonus features or whatever. I don't need you to tack on this stuff here. This is gross. Why did you put this? It tarnished a good story, albeit maybe a little overrated story with the mm-hmm. killing joke, mm-hmm. but like, it's just one of those unnecessary things of just why stop trying to make Batman and Batgirl a thing. It's gross. <laughs> stop trying to make fat fetch happen. It's not going to happen. Um, yeah, it just it's just cringy and gross and weird. And it, it's it's <laughs> how do I say this? And a uh, a symptom of old people writing comics like that just doesn't it do, that doesn't work, bro. Like. Batman is not your old man fantasy. That's not how that works. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's uh, that's reserved for the Superman writers back exactly. in the day. Um, <laughs> no, seriously, uh, uh, look up the Siegel comic, and Schuster stuff. Mm, it's a little questionable when they first started are, out. Are, comics are weird, man. It, it, yes. It, and as much as I love them, it's no wonder that people give them a, a bad <laughs> give them a bad vibe. It's just, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, like Wonder Woman screaming in battle. I'm going to kill you to death. That's uh. We don't yeah. talk about that line. That was written <laughs> by a professional writer. I'm going to kill you to death. Yeah. Let's yeah, talk about the best. Yes, let's and do it. And as much as we crapped on BVS before, my number five is the warehouse fight. If and only if you're watching the theatrical cut and not the Zack Snyder R-rated cut. Because if you're watching that version, it is pretty clear that Batman just murdered some fools. Like when he throws a crate and the guy's brain matters on the wall. I'm like, oh, He's dead. Yeah, no, he's dead. Okay, (laughs) but the fight in the warehouse is what we all always kind of wanted to see from Batman of integrating technology, hand-to-hand combat. It felt like you're watching the Arkham games. It was so well done until you know he sets people on fire and kills them. But it was so cool, so well done. Basically, takes pistol to the back of the head and he just walks it off like. Come on, mm-hmm. that's pretty legit. It's pretty cool. Um, good choreography. It was shot well too, of wide enough angles that you can clearly see the action, as opposed to like born editing, where it's a cut every half second, so mm-hmm. to speak, and super super shaky. Uh, good choreography, good camera work. Just Batman fighting that we hadn't seen on the big screen yet for some reason. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I, uh, it's definitely in comparison to the Nolan verse. It adds so much, and it, 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 it you actually get the feeling like this man was actually trained by a group of, of assassins. Um, and it, it, it does, like, it, it sucks that the R-rated version actually has him legitimately, like, and it's not even, the people who are like, no, it's okay that he's murdering, are the people who are like, no, criminals aren't people, so screw him. Like, that's not, mm-hmm, can't say that. So I want to see Batman cripple somebody for jaywalking. Oh, God. I don't want to see it. I don't want to see it because it just proves everything. All the people that don't like Batman, it just proves them right. And I don't like that. Um, And, you know, maybe that's as somebody who likes Batman a lot. So my number five best moment uh, comes from the criminally underrated and underseen uh, Batman Begins. When it's one of the first times we see him take up the mantle and actually do something. Um, it's that warehouse scene 
where he's you know diving around or whatever and you get that fantastic line where are you yeah. behind him <sighs> like so good like it it is literally one of the best like up to that point that was one of the best times where we had seen batman use intimidation in that way and it was it's just so cool it's still i think about that scene often um it's it just does it, batman begins is underrated there's so many good things that happen in batman begins Under, but uh, it is that very is underrated one, my, one, one that's definitely one of my favorites i think the success of dark knight ended up hurting batman begins because everyone's mm-hmm. just like <gasps> the dark knight i'm going I think Batman Begins is probably just as important because it saved the franchise and saved the superhero genre in general. I don't think we would have gotten the MCU if it wasn't for the success of Batman Begins kind of restoring a big-name franchise along with, like, X-Men and Spider-Man. Um, Batman Begins will definitely show up later, but I do think it's very underrated. Uh, I know some people are biased towards the Michael Keaton's I'm Batman when it starts, um, but my favorite to this day, um, I'm Batman, so far is that one on the pier when mm-hmm. Falcone's like lost all of his men. lost all of his men what the hell are you I'm and you're like oh, yes you are and then he had bets a guy and he sees the homeless guy yeah. nice coat like <laughs> i like that batman begins still has some levity to it of like the nice yeah. coat um the here like that that's a little funny there's as dark as the Dark Knight trilogy is, there's still some actually good humor moments to it. Like, mm. I will still die laughing of in Dark Knight. So you think your client, the smartest, most powerful, richest man in the world, secretly spends his nights pounding criminals to a pulp? And your plan is to blackmail this person? <laughs> good luck. Like, Yeah, that's like so that's good. so good. Um, My number four is dark knight rises just all of dark knight rises just for john no not all of dark knight rises i was like i I, i'll 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 hang on hang up the call right here like i'm not even scared (laughs) i have seen dark knight rises a lot in theaters but um yeah no it is the part where he climbs out of the pit in wherever that's undisclosed location that is granted completely ignore the sketchy back surgery that he underwent of here pat on the back you're fine um but <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I like what the climbing up the pit symbolizes to him and the way it's shot and it's clearly just a representation of him climbing out of the cave when he was a small child where he got his fear of bats it's him finally Correct. embracing and conquering his fear because you can make the case that his entire life he's been living in that cave because he's lived in fear, fear of losing people, fear of bats. Um, and so him escaping the pit is genuinely him escaping his fear, conquering his fear. Um, it's shot beautifully. The music's great. I just think that scene is so well done. And it's a perfect encapsulation and a culmination of everything that a Dark Knight trilogy is of one man's story. And that's... It's, yeah, it's just him getting out of the well and conquering his demons, so to speak, and becoming something stronger using fear as opposed to using it on someone else. He's embracing the fear. Yeah, and I agree. And it, it's a very well done scene. And it's a very like story wise is a huge you know arc completed. Um, it's just unfortunate. And it makes me more angry when he just 
finally conquers that fear, and then first chance he gets, decides to hang out the cow. Like that doesn't to me that doesn't doesn't make sense. Um, but yeah, that scene alone, fantastic, beautifully shot, well done. Uh, I was locked in for it, and it also kind of sucks that he just teleports away from that to the other side of the planet. Um, doesn't make sense, but whatever. Uh, that scene alone, fantastic. Uh, my number four from the ever so classic Batman under the red hood, the, the final climax scene. (laughs) (laughs) Where he's like, why is he still alive? Like, it is so good. Like, when he's Ryan like, number three on the nose, and I was gonna dude. do the line and everything and see if you knew what it was. Oh, dude. Okay, I little like this scene. I still, I still, I, I think I watch Under the Red Hood like once every couple months because it's it's, it's so good. In fact, the it, but like for this scene and Nightwing's in it. I know um, the best, the second like, best Nightwing. When he's like, you know, if somebody had killed you, I would mur- I'd be out there breaking skulls, killing people. Like, why don't you do that? Why won't you break your code? Is 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 it because it's just too hard for you? He's like, no, because it's too, be too easy. And I was like, oh, if here I allow we go. myself to get down to that place, oh, I'll never dude. come back. Which is why I think when, for me as a Batman fan, when I see stuff like that and that makes sense and it resonates with Batman's character so much, that's why I think I get frustrated with Zack Snyder who's like, yeah, he's just killing fools because eventually everybody's got to kill somebody. It was like, no, 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 no. If you haven't seen Under the Red Hood, first of all, do you live under a rock? Second of all- Under a hood? Under- Nope, nope. I take it back. I take it back. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I take it back. But like, check this movie out. Like, this is easily one of the most. It's not the most compelling scene for me in the animated films. I had to sit there and think about it for a second. But we'll talk. I about think I know what your number later. one is. Yeah, I know. Does it have something to do with surgery? <laughs> don't don't worry about it. We'll get there. So um, yes. <laughs> uh, but like seriously, gen- like genuinely, it's one of the best character moments I think in the animated movies of where he him explaining why he doesn't kill and explaining it to the one, one of the few people that emotionally like destroyed him because he could not save. He was just too late. So it's fantastic. Um, I've talked to nauseam. If you want to go ahead and take it up from here, since it's your, yeah, number it's my number three, three my too. Friend. It's it's, I love it that every couple months it like will make the social media rounds of like, mm-hmm. man, I can't wait to get this in live action form or this is the best Batman scene. And it honestly really is one of the best written Batman scenes, live action or animated. It's so, so good of it's also like the antithesis to a lot of superhero movies of the finale. Yeah, you get your fist fight between Batman and Red Hood, which I appreciate that Red Hood gets like no hits in whatsoever mm. batman just beats the ever-living crap out of him like i still wince when he takes the header into the toilet seat like the sound design on that is so good yeah but it's the antithesis of a lot of superhero movies of the finale is talking besides the fight it's talking and working through grief of just like he killed me and you left him alive what why he's like i can't even break it not even for you and so he's about to kill batman and he does the 
the battering in the barrel. You rootin' tootin' cowboy. He still found a way to win. Because I love that line a lot, too. Of no matter <laughs> what, Batman will always find a way to win. It's like Kirk. There's no, I don't believe in no-win scenarios. Um, it's so well done. The movie's great because we also have the second-best Nightwing of all time with Neil Patrick Harris. All hail the Harris. Uh, it's just so good, and I, I would like a 4K remaster of that. Please, 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 please. Um, yeah. If y'all haven't seen Under the Red Hood, it's just the best. And the final confrontation is so well done. <laughs> Joker's slight laying on the floor like, oh, you do think about me. But like, it's, it's, if you I say think another thing... word, this one's going in your lap. Aw, <laughs> party oh, pooper. No, no cake for you. <laughs> I think, but like the thing too is that's really that makes the scene incredibly compelling is that Jason's not wrong. Like that's a genuine question and a genuine problem that people have with that man. And to if I sit there and think about it, I do too. Of like, why are these villains still alive? And it does bring up that moral question of like, so just so just because a criminal is you know just because someone's a criminal that means they get to die that that's what that's what that means okay cool um and like we can sit here and philosophize on that all we want um on moral philosophy and stuff like that but like the hardest part about that scene is that jason isn't wrong he it's a genuine comes from a very genuine place and to that to that note Batman's not necessarily right in that scene either to basically say, I have this rule and I'm so committed to it. Even the death of someone I care deeply about wasn't going to make me break that rule. It's like, it's not necessarily okay, but it's not good either. Like it's, it's a very, like, it's a very morally gray place to be, but it, it just adds to Batman's character, obviously. What's your number two? Uh, well, so that that was my number four, right? So my number three is was it? Uh, yeah. No, yeah. Your number so, three was the Jason confrontation. I thought. No, that's my number four, my friend. You good? You good with numbers, there, my my guy? No, I'm not. <laughs> so number five was number five was begins. Four was begins, this. Okay. Was this? Uh, number three is uh, that opening scene in, in Lego Batman. Where he's all the way into the song, <laughs> like you can't. I, I understand. Like this is this is a kids movie, but Lego Batman does the best job of like, okay, guys, this is Batman. This is the culmination of literally every movie, TV show, everything that has led up to this point. You, the, you, the audience, know all of this stuff. Um, let's just dive into it and have a good time and like will arnett's batman is incredibly interesting and like a fun character to be and like all the way up until like that scene where he's like it's a slow motion scene but he's headbanging it live at, at real time like oh so good it's so good uh and just seeing all the different villains like it's a lot of fun um it's just like it to me it was really cool to see all of this batman history flash in front of you you finally um, got billy g williams as two-face yeah <clears throat> excuse me but um yeah it, it's just it's a lot of fun and i think it's one of the only things on this li yeah on this list where like you as an audience member are ha in a batman movie having legit like a legitimate high level amounts of fun um then that that's 
like ignoring a lot of the really cool stuff that happens in this movie. Um, a lot of the fantastic mo- moments that we have, but this that is fantastic genuine... Dick Grayson joke. Gosh, man. <laughs> They've started calling me dicks. Well, children can be terrible. <laughs> like, ah, oh, yes. Um, so yeah, fantastic. Again, if you haven't seen Lego Batman, like treat yourself. It is gen- a genuinely a treat. Um, but yeah, that opening right, so is fantastic. Now we're back on track. What's your number yes. two? Number two. Excuse hey, number me. two. Jeez. <laughs> mm, hey, number two. Hey, number two. Uh, no. Don't, <laughs> don't do Scrubs references to me. Oh, that hurts a little bit. Um, oh, man. Uh, How has no one made my- matching shirts with that? Hey, number one. Hey, number two. I'd uh, much because, rather that than Thing 1 and Thing 2 shirts. Yeah, yeah I was going to say because Thing 1 Thing 2 exists. Um. And people, never mind. No, nope, not going to go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> not going to do that. My number two um, is from the, uh, how do I describe it? Uh, Goth- Batman Gotham Knights. So this Batman Gotham Knights is a collection of stories uh, rather than have like one through like single thread. Um, there is one, and I forget where it is in the mo- in, in the different stories, but it's when it's the the story is shot from the police perspective yes it's not it's not like you you're not following batman um and there's this moment where you're watching batman through after a car has exploded um him taking down these villains and one of the one of the criminals grabs the the officer is about to execute her and it pans over and you see batman coming through the fire to stop i was like oh dude it is so good and i think that part of the reason why it works so well is the entire that entire story segment is all done from the cop's perspective so you and from the criminal's perspective so you don't necessarily get in the headspace of batman so you see how like legitimately kind of scary he is and why he strikes fear into both criminals and and um and the police so Gosh, fantastic. That scene is so good that it looks like Matt Reeves took some inspiration for it in the Batman yes. when yes. Batman's chasing the penguin. That scene looks suspicious like that. Um, my number two, bringing it back to Batman Begins, I think it's the personification of the entire Dark Knight trilogy, but also um, just Batman's character. And it's one of the single greatest quotes not just in Batman lore. I think just one of the best quotes in movie history. I failed them, Alfred. Everything my parents mm. stood for. Why do we fall, Master Wayne? Mm. Huh? Why do we fall? So we can learn to pick ourselves up. You still haven't given up on me. Never. And you're like, oof! Oof! Yes. I just get goosebumps yes. thinking about it of the core relationship uh, between Batman and Alfred, between Bruce and Alfred, Batman and Alfred, same thing. Um, that again, Dark Knight, throw, Dark Knight Rises just kind of throws out the window of just, hey, Alfred, screw you, you're fired. But Batman Begins really nails the core concept of no matter what, you always get back up. Alfred's always there. Mm. Alfred, Michael Caine's Alfred is just perfect. I know I've said before, oh, yeah. we've never had bad Alfred casting, but to me, I think Michael Caine's my favorite. He's so good. Of What's the point of all those bloody push-ups if you can't leave and lift a log? And my, <laughs> Bruce says that, like, I'm dying here, man, and you're still <laughs> sassy? 
Like, yeah, it's just absolutely. so good. But that whole scene of, did I make the right choice? Am I doing something wrong? And after going, you stick to what you're doing. It's okay. You're going to fail sometimes, but I'm still here for you. It's it's so beautiful. It's so well done. I love that scene so, so much. It's still one of my favorite lines of all time because it's, it's applicable to more than just the movie. And that's, a, that's what a good line should be of if it's applicable mm. for just a specific situation. Yeah, it, it sticks with you. Yeah, no, absolutely. Michael can't. And I might go watch Batman Begins today. Yeah, I might. It's just so good. And there's, I think it's Dark Knight definitely overshadows it in a way that is kind of sad because God, Batman Begins is so good. And Michael Caine's Alfred is just so, so incredible and get delivers lines like that. But uh, the, uh, the Ruby's story, the, the jewel thief story in the, uh, in, in Dark, Dark Knight, Knight where he's like, some people just want, want to watch the world burn how often do people say that nowadays like golly like it so michael kane's alfred is always out here delivering like top tier lines it's pretty great actually now so best of the best yep these are our, our number one favorite moments in all of batman films and so now we just go <laughs> because i feel like we've done this before I'm so confident Josh can say mine. I'm going to say Josh's. Let's try that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Josh's right. is, you're wrong. This isn't a mud pit. It's an operating table, and I'm the surgeon. Shut up. Leave me alone. <laughs> I, don't wanna, I don't like that. I don't like what we're doing here. This isn't fun. But yes, it's awesome. <laughs> um, so in the Dark Knight Returns, part one, because part two is not as good. Um, well, to be fair, in the comic, I think the second half isn't as strong as the first half. It's, it's just boring. It's not as entertaining. The story is not as big. Um, the reason the line is so big is because you see Batman, who is old, he is not doing as well. He legitimately doesn't really know oh sorry he's been out for a while actually now that i remember uh, if i'm thinking about it um he's been out for a long time he's old he's out of he's not out of shape because it's bruce he's He's still a brick house yeah um he's still doing bruce wayne things um but the first time like when he decides because of the events of the movie decides to, to cowl back on and the first time he goes out, it's very obvious he's forgotten that he how old he is. And that's just they I think Alfred points it out like that's just whenever you put the suit on, you think you're someone else. Um, and so the first time that he fights, gosh, what is his name? Uh, the mutant mutant yeah. king or something like that. <laughs> Um, he he gets his butt whooped because he tries to fight him as he always has, and his all and try and gets in his own head of like, no, I can come come at him straight, you know, head first, be stubborn about it, and you know, because I'm 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 Batman. I'm Batman. And and so the the rest of the movie follows him, kind of redefining to himself who Batman is to the point where we get to this moment where it's the final showdown. And he is doing a lot better, but then has that line where I think he, in the, he like breaks Mutant's arm at that point too. He's like, this isn't a mud pit swipe. This is an operating table. Crack. And I'm the, sur- oh no, he, that, that's the, yeah, and I'm the surgeon. Crack. And like, he's just in typical Batman form, form 
starts methodically, surgically, uh, breaking It's almost like down. that's what his dad was. Yeah. Um, so just breaking down the fight and instead of fighting emotionally, fighting tactically. And it's just, it's so, it's such a great moment. Um, the events afterwards I have issues with, but it's fine. I'm here. I'm, mutants I'm, have these guns with rubber bullets in them. Yeah, Go yeah, create and, anarchy. It's fun. Yeah, hmm, cringy, but sure. Okay. Whatever. Very but that's 80s. the story. But like leading up into that moment, it is the culmination of the journey that this Batman is taking of a hot, like I can't fight how I used to. I'm old and I need apparently a tank, um, which is, I actually don't hate. I love the, I love that version of the Batmobile. Um, And it's also kind of sad that, excuse me, that Bruce outlived Dick in this universe, which is really, really sad. Um, Did he? Yeah, I think if I remember, uh, I might be okay. I don't I might, think he did. It, at the very, at the very least, I thought Dick retired uh, or moved away he, or somewhere. He's retired or moved. He's he's like all that we know is he's like out of the picture. Well, picture obviously he moved away. He probably moved to Bloodhaven. Yeah, something he is not. And obviously, in the didn't end up I, with Barbara. I think. Yeah, because yeah, I don't know. But like, there's a lot of stuff that like you can see that this Batman's been a lot up through a lot. And like when he gets in that, that bat, Batmobile, he's like, what did Dick always call it? The Batmobile. And I was like, oh, yes. Oh, mm. So but then yeah. since Josh can reciprocate, <sighs> Josh, what's the best Batman moment of all time for me? All right. It's definitely from mask of the phantasm. Um, just, just mask of the phantasm. Yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I, could, I could just say mask no. of the phantasm. I, um, I don't know if I know your your favorite moment from that movie. I know that is your favorite Batman movie. Hopefully that'll change by to next date? week. Yeah, that, that might t- change next week. Um, which that thing is already getting tans across the board. So Supposedly, also, like, I don't think it's a spoiler, but people are saying that, like, Battinson is in the suit for, like, 80% of the movie. It's not like other live-action ones where he's yes. a Bruce and... Batman split like you get mostly Batman. I'm going. <laughs> Let's My go, are rustled. Uh, but no, the best scene of Batman Mask of the Phantasm, and therefore the best Batman scene of all time, is when he decides to be Batman for the first time. So he has been dating Andrea Beaumont for a while. He proposes to her. Um, it's going really, really well. He's got this great scene that's an honorable mention of he goes to visit his parents' gravesite, and he's just like, "I don't. Do I need to keep my promise? I'm happy now. I didn't expect to be happy." And you're just like, "Oh, that's such a good wrinkle to Batman's character of if Batman found happiness, could he have left everything behind? Could he have?" settle down had a family that didn't involve vigilantism because he still has a family i'd still maintain that alfred and all the robins are his family and whatnot but could he have quit before he was even batman and so he proposes andrea says yes they're about to live a happy life and then all of a sudden one day the ring gets returned to him with a note saying uh too soon need more time with dad um so to speak and basically in that moment he's like I genuinely have nothing left. I need to... What I love is there's this brilliant, brilliant edit. Uh, it shows him um, 
on the edge of the cliff reading the note super super sad but it doesn't cut to the bat cave from there there's one quick shot slow zoom in on a picture of his parents you can interpret that one of two ways this is gone from bruce now he can no longer have this he can never be like his parents now because andre is gone or you can interpret it as okay you are now forced to go back and fulfill your promise that you made to your parents. Then we cut back to the Batcave with his back turned to Alfred. We never see his face. He's completely in shadow. The music by um, Shirley Walker's building. Honestly, that scene has some of the best Batman music, period. It's just epic. Uh, he's putting on everything for the first time. Motions for uh, Alfred to basically give him the mask for the first time. Puts it on. Still completely in shadow. We never see his face. Turns around. We just see the eyes. And Alfred actually is scared. Like, he's like, my God. Like, in this moment, Bruce Wayne is gone. And Batman, the myth, the shadow, is before him. And he just walks. We still don't see Batman because we, we know what Batman looks like. But in this moment, he's an idea. He's a concept. He's now the legend that we know we're going. Now that's Batman. And I love the concept of the first time Batman becomes Batman. That it actually scares Alfred. You're like, ah, mission accomplished here. If he's scared criminals are going to be even more afraid it's just so well done the music is perfect the rationale of why he becomes batman of like comes down to choice his life could have been something else had he chose different paths could batman have been happy at one point all from a quote-unquote simple animated movie that just such a powerful moment that i still think to this day is the best batman origin we've gotten so many but it's a batman origin without having to show batman's parents dying again yeah. it's a yeah. fresh origin that doesn't have to show the pearls of okay what if we do a different spin to it it'll never happen but you want to hear me scream louder than captain america lifting mjolnir if at the end of a batman movie we just hear your angel of death awaits like bro shut up and take all of my money mask of the phantasm is a masterpiece and y'all need to see it it's so good i currently have the poster up in our um designated poster spot right now because i swapped it out just recently because <laughs> i'm like it's batman time i gotta have a batman poster up yeah that's awesome yeah no like it was all like it's easy to, <laughs> it's kind of funny to me that we've been you and i have known each other long enough to know that exactly like what movies we love the most when it comes to certain characters um also we've done I, this part of the discussion before with the best parts true 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 uh but yeah it's masculine phantasm is fantastic uh i certainly don't have as much a big of a love for it as you do i think you're you definitely have like how do i say this you're you're more fond of like the the batman the animated series like you have a fonder love of that era you are um, you're the batman you're next gen yeah <laughs> yeah i'm next gen <laughs> but no like yeah i am so like, facto it's, it's so facto that's the word <laughs> the word for the podcast today kids is is so facto which is technically the way you said that uh, kind of made me think of the eddie murphy snl sketch today kids <laughs> we learn about squatters rights <laughs> yes it's so good um just having like sesame street level stuff about 
terrible things that should not be on Sesame Street. Uh, today, I'm almost going to talk to you about drug addiction. Um, yeah, it's but back to Batman. Um, fantastic stuff. These are all fantastic moments. And it's crazy that, uh, like from your point of view too, that Rises can have both equally in, like great moments and equally bad moments as well. Very bad. And I, very bad. But uh, it's interesting to me that Begins is on our best list. Like, like I, I could talk about Begins all till the cows come home. Um, and honestly, yeah, like this gets me super hyped for the film. Um, I still need to buy my tickets, so I might. End Good up luck with that. Wait. Yeah, I might end up having to wait a week. I don't know. We'll see. Um, got some other stuff going on. Um, but yeah, I'm excited for Batman. Like, let's 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 freaking go. I've have, I've been avoiding all like we've got some of these YouTubers that are putting up reviews already. I'm like, I am. I'm waiting. I'm not. I'm not watching these reviews because I don't want nothing spoiled. I don't care if your your review is quote unquote spoiler free. Like, no, nah, I'm, I'm not, not, no, no, I don't trust you. I don't trust nobody. <laughs> yeah. What What do you guys think? Where's your hype level for Robert Pattinson's The Batman? Do you guys already have your tickets? What's the best and what are some of the worst Batman moments that you could think of off the top of your head? Let us know in the comments below. We always like hearing from you guys. And as always, if you like what you see and want to see more, subscribe to us on whatever audio platform you're listening to us on, whether it's iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, YouTube, and subscribe to us on YouTube. Help us get to 700 subscribers by the end of the year. And as always, stay sharp, movie guys and gals.